Welcome to WFUV's What's What. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York tri-state area. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm Noah Osborne. Here are today's headlines. New Yorkers in the workforce may be getting a new sense of security. The Secure Jobs Act is a bill that would make it harder for employers to fire workers, especially those who are not in a labor union. It's being backed by New York City Council member Tiffany Caban. If signed, employers will have to give workers a 14-day notice and written explanation before termination. It will also require companies and businesses to show proof of economic hardship before laying off employees. But there is some pushback on whether or not this is a fair ask of the current labor market. Some say placing more restrictions on employers could be difficult because many businesses are still trying to recover from the pandemic. Nonetheless, Councilmember Caban is still working to gain more support from other city council members. New York City has a plan to increase funding for homeless students. And that's not all because the city is also planning to provide more resources for schools that serve a disproportionate number of students with disabilities, English language learners, and those living in poverty. Starting next school year, New York will look to dole out $90 million in an effort to hire more staff, add attendance outreach programs, and help to accommodate for the influx of migrant students who lack stable housing. This comes on the heels of mounting criticism from advocates who say the city fails to account for homeless students, with nearly 1 in 10 NYC public school students living without permanent housing. That's according to data provided by the organization Advocates for Children of New York. Are you a politician who just doesn't like the way the media covers your administration and its policies? Do you feel like the messages you put out to the general public tend to get lost in translation because of journalists? Maybe you need a newsletter. Well, that's the approach Mayor Adams is taking as he's preparing to launch Hear From Eric, which is a public newsletter designed to bypass media coverage. Mayor Adams has openly criticized the media, claiming that the messages his team looks to relay to the public tend to be ignored and distorted. To combat that, the mayor is encouraging New Yorkers to sign up for his newsletter at nyc.gov. When you think of the sports that are showcased at the Summer Olympics, you might be thinking of swimming, volleyball, or track and field. But now there's a new sport in town, and we're about to break it down. You can now add breakdancing to the list of must-see events at the Summer Games. The sport will officially be called breaking and will make its debut at the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Breaking competitions will essentially be a dance-off between two competitors. One will have to outdo the other while dancing to tracks that are mixed and selected by a DJ. The judges will then score the dancers based on their technique, creativity, and style. All judging criteria are broken down into categories called body, mind, and soul. This new edition is part of the International Olympic Committee's attempt to attract younger viewers. In the last Summer Games, the committee introduced events like skateboarding, BMX, and rock climbing. And up next, WFUV's Rosie Lenz has the latest on the Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster controversy. This morning, senators, ticketing companies, and Swifties gathered in Washington, D.C. for a Senate hearing regarding the Taylor Swift ticket sale cancellation that took place last November. This fiasco left millions of fans upset and ticketless for Swift's upcoming Eras Tour, 
beginning in March. Many fans and lawmakers argue that the Live Nation and Ticketmaster merger in 2010 left the company with too much power and not enough competition in the ticket market. Live Nation's president and CFO, Joe Berktold, spoke at today's hearing. We apologize to the fans. We apologize to Ms. Swift. We need to do better, and we will do better. Representatives from ticket companies, promoters, and musicians all had the opportunity to speak at the hearing. The Senate hopes to put pressure on Ticketmaster to encourage them to improve service for customers in the future. With WFUV News, I'm Rosie Lenz. Last year's Oscars may have been all about the controversy between Will and Chris, but the 2023 Academy Award nominees are out and they rock. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once takes the lead with 11 nominations. The film is nominated for awards like Best Picture, Actor and Actress in a Supporting Role, and Original Screenplay. Following closely behind is All Quiet on the Western Front and the Banshees of Inisherin with nine nominations each. Both Rihanna and Lady Gaga were nominated for the Original Song category. They produced music for the sequels to Black Panther and Top Gun, respectively. And the star power doesn't end there. Actors like Angela Bassett, Jamie Lee Curtis, Brendan Fraser, Judd Hirsch, and Colin Farrell are all up for awards. While the Oscars are recognizing all of the best films, actors, and soundtracks, the Razzie Awards are calling out some that weren't so great. The film Morbius has been nominated for five Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture. A-list actor Tom Hanks also received a Razzie nomination for Worst Actor in Disney's Pinocchio. With an endless parade of streaming services at our fingertips, it might seem like digital film is king. But in New York City, there's a group of venues keeping analog film alive. WFUV's Sebastian Diaz reports. I'm standing just outside the Paris Theater in Midtown Manhattan, which has finished a special screening of the new release White Noise, an apocalyptic black comedy about a college professor whose family is forced to evacuate after a chemical leak. But what makes the screening so special? It was presented on analog film. It was really gorgeous, uh, great colors. Everything was just really beautiful to look at. Uh, I thought the film print really enriched the color, especially with the color palette of the film. It worked well. I thought it made sense to the context of the movie because it was sort of a period piece and it added to that. Movies were originally shown on analog film which are reel-to-reel strips projected directly onto the big screen. But that changed not long ago. And there was a big transition that happened like right around 2012 in terms of exhibition, where basically the film studios um, changed their preferred format to digital. You know, so now it would be hard to find many theater, like commercial theaters in New York City, for example, that can even show 35 millimeter. That was David Schwartz, current manager of theatrical programming at Netflix. He says, People switched from analog to digital because it's a lot cheaper to ship hard drives than full reels. When I interviewed art gallery owner Elle Birchall inside the microscope gallery, she said that analog has beautiful benefits. There's no, nothing like projection of a film. There's no artifacts. There's no digital pixels. The color is just so much more intense. Still today, even with the highest quality, nothing looks like a pristine film print. So what makes film so expensive? One... Theaters have to rent the films from distribution centers, and that can cost hundreds of dollars. Two, the reels are heavy, so theaters pay high prices on shipping. Lastly, 
specialized film projectionists are more expensive to pay. This is where the Queens-based nonprofit Film Exhibition Fund, or FEF, comes in. The group helps smaller nonprofit exhibition spots pay the reel-to-reel -reel costs while educating about the benefits of analog. As FEF founder Max Carpenter said, Places that are not nonprofits, like for-profit theaters, often chains, make almost all their money from concessions, popcorn, soda. Nonprofits have to make it in more creative ways, usually through fundraising. This past summer, the fund provided thousands of dollars in grants to two venues in Manhattan, the Anthology Film Archive and the Microscope Gallery. There are many costs involved in the showing of the film. We're a gallery, but we kind of operate like a microcinema. This makes you think twice about you know, moving forward with the showing of solo films. But thanks to the grant, it was, it was possible. That was Microscope Gallery co-owner Andrea Monti, who used the FES grants for a series of avant-garde film screenings. Over at the Anthology Film Archive, chief curator Jed Rapfogel has noticed a post-pandemic spike in analog film popularity. Because we were closed for like a year and a half during the pandemic. And yeah, when we reopened, there was a little bit of a sense of like, who are all these people, you know? Um, you know, when we reopened, there was clearly a kind of pent up like desire to, you know, see movies together just in general. Um, but I think also to see movies on the big screen, on, fi on film when possible. At a time when digital projection is dominant, FEF president Max Carpenter says that people are beginning to understand that there's something special about analog projection. When you go see a film on 35 by a trusted organization, you, you know you're in for an experience, which is what the promise of movie going is supposed to be, and it's very rare otherwise. After the pandemic shut audiences in with streaming services, people are hungry for pure movie going experiences and the Film Exhibition Fund is ready to help theaters and galleries deliver. With WFUV News, I'm Sebastian Diaz. That was WFUV's Sebastian Diaz reporting on analog film making a comeback in New York City. Today, in music history, Garth Brooks refused his American Music Award back in 1996, saying that Hootie and the Blowfish did more for music than he did. And that's our show for today. I'm Noah Osborne. And I'm Christina Lulich. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.